Hey beauties, I'm Maria. And I'm Megan, and we are the co-founders of The Intentional Single, a place for Catholic single and dating gals to be seen, known, loved on, and journeyed with. We know you're tired of feeling overlooked in your ache. Because honestly, holding on to hope while single and dating can be one of the most challenging things you've ever done. If that's you, girl, you're in the right place here. Get ready for countless gems on how to live a full and whole lifestyle, diving into dating, mindsets, hormones, theology, literally all of the things. We're excited to journey alongside you because this side of heaven, we never arrive. And we are with you on that journey. So welcome to the Intentional Singles. Thriving in the space between. You are made for love. You are made to live wide open. Welcome everyone. We are welcome. We are so excited to have some really special guests who are dear friends and fellow coaches and doing incredible, incredible work in the world and for the Lord. And so we want to introduce Bill and Ann Schneiders. And gosh, they actually, let's let you guys tell our, our listeners a little bit about you because you guys have just, you're doing so much and so many beautiful things. And so Bill, why don't you start us off with just sharing a little bit about you and, and let's, <laughs> let's go. All right. Well, let's see. Um, I'm from originally from Pasadena, California, cradle Catholic, one of eight kids, big family, uh, had a wonderful childhood there. Um, Southern California was a lot different place then than it is, than it's become now, sadly, in the whole state of California. But um, beautiful place, beautiful weather, idyllic childhood, pretty much. Um, just um, had a wonderful experience. Uh, went to college at Santa Clara University. Um, had a wonderful experience there. A lot of friends. Uh, played sports there. Played football, which was a lot of fun. A lot of great teammates. And then kind of matriculated in Silicon Valley. Worked for several, a number of different tech companies. Um, kind of back to back. Got some good work experience. And all through that time, really, it was in my early 30s. I had, um, I was always kind of raised in a, in a, you know, with the faith, and I was always, I always took it seriously. I, I was always pretty devout um, for the most part. Uh, never really strayed, but uh, really, my early 30s, I had a kind of a transformational experience after a, a Marian pilgrimage that really was a seminal moment that put me on a whole different trajectory where I really lived my faith more, um, you know, I would say more aggressively. Maybe that's not the right mm -hmm. word. More, uh, more joyfully, more fully. And, um, and in the process of that, it was, um, the one difficulty during all that time was just, you know, being a family guy growing up with eight kids and witnessing a beautiful marriage. My parents was just like the struggle to find a wife. And, and I met so many nice girls. It almost made it harder because some of them were just so wonderful. I, I dated some wonderful gals, but it just wasn't like the marriage, you know, connection, that, that level of connection. So it was a long time, um, a long time before I finally met Ange. I was 49 when I met Angela. So, um, but you know, God's delays are not God's denials. And usually the longer he makes you wait for something, the, the, the better it is when it happens, you know, like St. Monica had to wait, you know, 20 years to pray for her son, Augustine, but, uh, you know, the longer you wait, the better the answer and, you know, exhibit a, so my life was changed in, uh, 2017 mm -hmm. when we first met and, uh, it's just been getting better and better ever since then. And I mean, obviously you can only tell so much in a short period of time. There was a lot of challenges and struggles along the way, learning experiences, mm -hmm. and a lot of wins and victories and incredible experiences. 
Um, I had in between one of my tech job careers, I, um, I took like almost a year off and I went to Europe and I traveled all around and just saw some of the most beautiful sites. It really gave me a, a perspective. And I mean, all around Europe, I was in Moscow, I was in, you know, Warsaw, I was down in Italy, I mean, on the Mediterranean, Scandinavia, Eastern Europe, and just seeing different peoples and cultures and, um, you know, experiencing different shrines and different places. It was just such an educational experience. And it also made me think that my busy life in Silicon Valley, I needed to kind of get off the treadmill that was just kind of spinning, going nowhere fast. And um, I realized there was more to life than just increasing its speed. And, you know, that it really gave me a whole new vision for the the life we get to enjoy now and the place we get to live and just some radical big dream sessions back in the early 2000s that resulted in, uh, you know, the quality of life we enjoy today and living where we want to live and so forth. So, um, but during that time, there was, there was some long waits being single and wondering, hey, God, you know, are you ever going <laughs> to have a little love for the home team here? I'm one of your friends for crying out loud. <laughs> so um, I know you guys know what that's all about too. And Angela mm-hmm. did too. You know, God is always faithful. Like I said, his delays are not his denial. So um, fortunately, I met Ange and uh, it was such a blessed experience. And we've just um, really enjoying life up here. We have two children now. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of peaches and cream the last four or five years. Uh, there's some rough, some rough years before that. But uh, here we are. So, yeah, that's right. Oh, so good. So good. Ange, fill in. Oh, man, right here. My miracle right here. <laughs> Um, oh, ladies, it's such a dream to be with you. I just honor you both so much. You're two of the women I admire most in the world. And thankfully, Megan, I got to meet you even through Maria. So, I mean, the blessings <laughs> just continue. And we're so honored to be here with you today. And hopefully, you know, even just sitting here with you now is a testimony to the Lord mm-hmm. because, and it makes, you know, Bill is just, you know, so joyful in that sharing. But, you know, combined, we had a total of over 90 years of singleness. Uh, before we got married, that's a long journey. Um, yeah, combined. I was almost forty. Say the number one more time. Almost ninety years of combined singleness. Mm-hmm. Uh, before you know, we're now approaching. Uh, we have our fifth anniversary coming on August the fourth. But there was, you know, both of us. You know, our parents got married in the early twenties. You know, started their families. You know, right now, Bill's Bill's buddies have kids graduating from college and getting married. My friends' kids are graduating from high school, and we have babies. You know. Um, right. To go back and 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 look at this, um, you know, I grew up in East Central Illinois. I was actually born in Norfolk, Virginia. Billy was born in Palos Verdes, California, literally the opposite coasts. We couldn't have been further apart unless I was born in Maine and he was born in like the tip of you know San Diego or something. Yeah. So, um, but I again, like Bill, really had an idyllic childhood growing up in the Midwest. You know, in the eighties and nineties, I was small town evangelical type of community. Even though my family grew up, you know, I grew up cradle Catholic, unbelievable parents. Again, no family is perfect. Uh, we certainly have all of our faults and foibles, but grading on a curve, a plus. And um, was fortunate to have extraordinary friends in high school and amazing experiences. Um, really those same evangelical friends asked me the really hard questions that I need to be asked about why am I Catholic? Mm-hmm. And, um, but for the grace of God, I'd be out planning churches with evangelicals right now. And so I love them with all my heart. I kind of consider myself an evangelical Catholic, but because of those hard questions in the late nineties, I was introduced to Dr. Scott Hahn started reading, fell head over heels in love with Jesus and the Eucharist and our blessed mother. They just took me by the hand. And when I went off to college, um, at a, you know, 
essentially Ivy League University, Washington University in St. Louis, very secular. It was the perfect training ground for me. I was also an athlete like Bill playing. It was Division Three basketball, but we happened to win a national championship. Um, and I only share that because, you know, I kind of got that dream of being a collegiate athlete at a great university, but it was just nothing compared to the friendships I'd had in high school and the experience that I had. I, I saw very clearly, like, this is kind of a facade. And so that really invite challenged me and invited me. Um, I ended up transferring back to the University of Illinois as a junior and um, really just had a heart for evangelization and to share the riches of my faith and encountered in, in a wonderful ministry called Focus. Um, was blessed to be a part of that starting from the ground floor, got to study abroad, just fell in love with the faith. And we're actually really considered becoming a religious sister. Um, but even in that discernment process, uh, always had such a longing. Um, every time I would be like, even consider like applying to with an order, just our Lord would say, no, I think you're, you know, you're called to marriage and family. And so I end up joining focus full-time as a staff member. It was such an incredible experience, but even in the midst of that, um, I was, I was blessed to be a part of Focus's incredibly rapid growth. And so I literally moved almost every year. Um, this is the longest now I've been in one place for five years since I was in high school. So um, even though I had a very stable childhood, I was literally, I moved three years in a row. Then I got a couple of years in the same place, but I had a different job every year, kept getting more responsibility, being stretched. And so went from living within 10 miles of my parents and my siblings and, you know, a very close-knit community to literally being on the road almost every week, jumping time zones, serving multiple people, being further and further from our support. And again, this could have happened to me working for any organization, any type of job, but um, that, that kind of honeymoon experience I'd had with the Lord, I began to feel less and less like a beloved daughter and more and more like a servant and then a slave, especially as I'm getting into my late twenties, my early thirties. And, um, had again, like Bill, uh, dated unbelievable guys, truly mm -hmm. remarkable men, many of three or four went off to the seminary, had that experience, ladies, I can relate to you. Um, I was, I was, the guy that, oh, I know what I'm giving up, what I'm going off to serve the Lord. And, you know, I was a little, uh, you know, that hurt, um, a lot. And especially because I had been surrounded by incredible guys, you know, many of whom were so ready to lay their life down for the Lord. You know, my, my bar was unbelievably high. And, and then especially as I continued traveling, I just, I got, even though I was in formation and had received incredible formation, just got more and more depleted. And with every, um, uh, I had some really hard breakups again, which I can say, ladies, praise God, praise God. It didn't work out, but man, was it painful at the time. And then I got, because I was traveling so much, I got into a series of kind of six month long distance relationships again with phenomenal people, but just that, ex just, I remember just feeling the weariness and the heaviness and and again seeing all of so many of my friends getting married entering religious life women that i'd mentored you know getting married having baby number 2 3 4 you know going to another wedding you know one of my one of my classic stories from this time is i just moved to denver just had another breakup with a you know a pretty cool person um went to a friend's wedding in spokane and literally i thought i was doing great about two thirds way to the mass, I just started crying and I literally couldn't control myself. Mm -hmm. Got to the, got to the reception again, just could not keep it together. I was sitting in the adoration chapel and, um, 
uh, I just, I just couldn't stop crying. I, I was just hurting so badly and, um, was just pouring my heart out to the Lord. And at this time I was trying to get to all 50 States by the time I think I was 30. And so I was like, I haven't been to Idaho. So I literally got in the rental car and I drove to Idaho. You left the party. I left the party. All the hors d'oeuvres and you were driving towards Montana. Come to find out I was literally driving home, you know, She's driving home. That's, oh. that's the path. Well, that's, that's the same road you take. Yeah. But I, I just share that with you all because literally I was at a point, even, you know, in my getting to my mid thirties, right. A summer of, I just wept and gave my dream for biological motherhood back to the Lord. And, and f- I think for both, I can speak for Bill and I got to the place of Lord. He, he just, he literally brought me to a place of second conversion, mm-hmm. not title. I'm not entitled, mm-hmm. you know, um, there was an incredible birthday right before my, I think I turned 36 or 37. I can't remember. We're literally five different guys that I dated previously either messaged me or, and I didn't keep up with, you know, these, I'm, I didn't keep up with these individuals, but just messaged me in a very appropriate way and said, Angela, just thank you. You may be a better man. And Mm -hmm. I'm grateful. And a couple even asked if we could start dating again, but it wasn't right. And it wasn't that these weren't phenomenal individuals. They just weren't right for me. Mm -hmm. And, And so our Lord invited me, like, am I enough? am I enough? And I think Bill and I had both got to that place where, you know, I would have been okay, but my prayer was, Lord, I don't think I'm going to learn to love and have my heart expanded to the degree that you desire by myself. But, and at this point I'd done online dating in-person dating, cross-country dating, been open to introductions, you know, the whole nine yards. And, um, I just said, Lord, if you, if you desire this for me, it's all, it's all on you. I've done everything I can. I'm just, I'm your little daughter. I'm exhausted. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm, he will have to be literally dropped on my front porch. It's, this is all about you. And it was amazing. Um, and I guess just how God can work for both of us. I think we both prayed that kind of surrender prayer within the same couple of years of each other. I was, yeah, I was, I always felt the call to, I never felt the call to, um, as much as I admire and respect it and know now the importance of it to religious life, I always felt the call to be a husband and father, yeah. but it wasn't happening. I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'm called to be single. I, yeah. I joke with Angela, I was about a month away without, before I met her from like moving to Alaska, just building a cabin on the side of a mountain somewhere. <laughs> Uh, had his Starlink, you know, so he could like check, you know, check in a little bit, right. have a beard down to here and be like, I'd bear, like bear uh, in his bear skin, you know, some cheesy top or something. I'd have my Kodiak bear skin on the wall and hunting yeah. moose and like living off moose. No, meat. all the best and recipes then, for salmon, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. I was little yeah. like, that wouldn't be so bad. Not so bad. A lot less stressful than working in Silicon Valley. Yeah. But no, I wasn't quite there, no. but uh, but anyway, yep. there was there was a time it was attractive. Mm-hmm. And then I meet Angela. And by the way, you skipped over the basketball part. The oh, first yeah. time I took her out <laughs> in my backyard court, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm dating Steph Curry here. She's like <laughs> ripping twine. Like I'm probably the only guy who can't outshoot his wife. I don't even play her in horse because she might beat me. Um, and no. I'm a decent shooter no. too, but she's got a really beautiful jump shot. It's really smooth. Thankfully, yeah. That this was my problem. All the guys were like, "You're so intimidating," and I, I needed a guy who was like more athletic than me. So. God brought me Bill. So wow. he's, he's my all-time QB. So <laughs> so let's let's bring you guys back a little bit. Okay. So you guys are both in this place of just like radical surrender, basically. After fighting, after tears, after depression, after, after wrestling, and the, yes. Yeah, um, and I, I love that, well, I love that you put that because sometimes 
it's so easy. I think when we're in that space of being single for a long time to think, gosh, the Lord's forgotten me. He's withholding from me, kind of bringing us back to the garden, right? Like God's trying to, he's not a good father. And you have to wrestle with the Lord, which it sounds like you guys both, there was like an aspect of like reckoning of wrestling with him, which is so important. It sounds like for your own relationship with the intimacy of the father, which kind of leads into then this next space. And the other thing too, that I, I, I guess maybe a question right here in that surrender was the ache still present because so often our girls share just that ache. It's, 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 it feels like a curse to them, you know, and we know that the ache is good and we know that it's, but it can feel like a curse, you know? So can you explain a little bit about then in, in your guys' actual story, how you met all that, but also that ache that was still present, even in the surrendering, what did you do with that? Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm going to speak for myself. Um, men, women are a little bit different. The ache for me at, at times was literally unbearable. Like take my breath away. So painful. Yes. And, um, you know, and, and, and one of the things, you know, Bill and I both had, we had the capacity to travel. We had, we had wonderful friends, you know, but it felt like I have a constellation of friends. You know, I have to travel everywhere. They're all over the country. They're in Europe, you know, even traveling, you know, going to see my family. So I think for, for Bill and I, if I could even articulate the ache and no one could do this for me, I finally had to put language to it. It was just that longing to belong because we know, we know, we know that, you know, if you talk to married couples, it's not like every day is sitting and talking theology of the body and sipping wine and, you know, all the things you would admit. <laughs> right. And we know that religious life or the priesthood isn't just always this divine intimacy with the Lord. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I said, but what they have is they belong somewhere. They have an intimate companion or companions yes, and yes. someone who's bearing witness to their life and helping them to navigate the day to day and helping to carry the burden. It was just, I felt like as a single woman, especially, you know, like I was an icebreaker. I was the one always having to break the ice, you know, and just take all the hits mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that, you know, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to make money to support myself. And I've got to come home and make sure things are clean and run the household and pay the bills and make sure the lawn's taken care of and make all the decisions. And, you know, just that it, it was so heavy. Um, but what happened? And again, I'm, I was, I would call myself on in good in Holy Saturday, good Friday. It was a decade. It was a solid decade for me of just wrestling with the Lord. And like I said, kind of going from feeling less and less like a beloved daughter to more like a servant, even to a slave. Cause I was in ministry, you know, it's like, here I am trying to Lord bring others to you. And I just, I'm just in the darkness here and trying to, I'm still trying to pray every day and Holy mass and adoration and Holy rosary and scripture but I'm just, this is, this hurts. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, but, but he had to break through all those lies because no one can, no one can fill the ache, but the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I would not have been ready to receive the gift of bill without him bringing me to that place of second conversion, mm -hmm. because I would have had a false expectation of the, of even what the love that bill could give me in marriage. Mm -hmm. Right. Every, every, everything that Bill is able to give me through his gift of self is just pure gift. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I, in my, I'm not saying everyone has to go through the journey or wait as long as Bill and I did, we have a particular call for a particular mission, 
and had to go through a series of experiences to be where we are today for our call. But but bringing the ache to the Lord, literally getting to be with him on the cross and our blessed mother in her pierced heart, um, it broke open my heart and expanded my heart in a way um, that enabled me to now I to carry that, to also release the ache, to um to embrace it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I'm sure if that makes sense. Yeah. 100%. Bill, what was that ache like for you? You know, I think um for me it was, you know, kind of similar to Ange, maybe not quite as dramatic in some ways, but I in other ways it was uh just as painful or more so because again, growing up with eight kids and also a lot of my friends, my classmates live within five, six blocks of me. The area I grew up in Chapman Woods, California was like, it was just like, you know, um, Mayberry or so. It was just like, you know, half my classmates live within six, seven blocks of me. So when we were young, we're kids riding our bikes around. There's always people around. Mm-hmm. There's people to do stuff with. There's family members, friends. And all of a sudden I'm in a foreign city, just mm-hmm. working a really hard, stressful job all day, coming home to an empty apartment, empty house. There's no one there. It's just kind of a loneliness. And I'm like, well, this is kind of a drag. Like, this is kind of lame. Why yeah. am I doing this? like mm-hmm. just for a paycheck? Like, I feel like human beings are the only mammals on earth that have to pay to live here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone else is free. We've created a system. We got to pay just to like, just to be here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I just thought there's just something wrong about this. There's, it's not right. And and I, I remember thinking at the time, it'd be even worse for a woman, I think, to be away from her family, to have no one. It was hard enough for a guy. Maybe we're a little more independent in some ways. Um, and, but for women to be even harder, I just thought, you know, when I'd read history books and you read about how, you know, families stayed together that year I traveled through Europe, I noticed in different countries, Slovenia, Croatia, um, Poland, Italy, a lot of families lived together, you know, and maybe they'd even live in the same house often. Mm -hmm. They'd definitely be in the same farm or whatever, but even in the city, you'd see them in the same house and the grandparents were on one floor and the Mm -hmm. kids were on the next. And then the, the, you know, the next, the other and or something was on the net. They all lived together. There was community. And I felt like um, I was just like in isolation, mm-hmm. you know, um, except when I was at the office. But again, that was stressful and, and working hard. And and then maybe on the weekends where I could, you know, drive across town to see some friends or um, family. If family, but it was, it was just really difficult. I thought there's got to be a better way to live than this. Mm-hmm. But it really got me thinking. And like Angela, I think one of the things that really tempered it, made it a little bit more manageable for me was in my early thirties, I had a series of like extraordinary supernatural experiences. And up to that point in my life, I'd never witnessed anything supernatural Mm -hmm. um, other than maybe stuff you take for granted, you know, like the sun rising and setting every day. But I had some extraordinary experiences at several Marian shrines in Europe. My sister was with me, my youngest Mm -hmm. sister for part of that. And so I realized it made me think, okay, obviously this, I always believed in God my whole life, but now I know that I know that I know this Mm -hmm. is all real. And so if God is allowing me to go through this, this long period of singleness, like long stretches of loneliness, it must be for a reason mm-hmm. and it must be to shape me. And also just, you know, I got into reading the Bible at a young age, thanks to my godparents who mm-hmm. got me uh, my own Bible when I was in eighth grade, when I was confirmed back then it was in eighth grade. Now it's in high school, I guess. And I remember, you know, stories of, you know, Moses like lived by himself, I think in the, or maybe he had his family with him, but he was in the desert for like a long time before he led the Israelites out of Egypt, back into the desert for a while. And like, there was just these, uh, or or a character like St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was like in bed for two years, mm-hmm. just like these long periods. And it seems like it was in that struggle 
that actually a lot of the fruits were born. Mm -hmm. You know, the analogy of you put the seed in the ground, the seed thinks it's buried, but really it's 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 going to yeah. grow. Yeah. Or the, mm -hmm. the butterfly going in the cocoon, and be, or the, excuse me, the caterpillar mm -hmm. going in the cocoon becomes a butterfly. So I had kind of these analogies and metaphors. And, and from those deep spiritual experiences that I had, I realized there is a God out there who mm -hmm. does love me, does have a plan for my life. And um, my plan is going to, obviously it's a little different. It's taking a little longer for me than maybe a lot of my friends who are getting married, but I'm just going to trust because I know this is real and there must be a reason. And I just kind of had that same surrender, kind of that Angela did. Like, I'm going to just try to work on myself, be the best I can be in every way. If it's God's will that I be single, then maybe that's my path to sanctity one day. You know, I, I don't think that's, doesn't feel very good. Kind of like Ange, you know, I don't think I'll be able to love at the deepest levels without being married. Um, but I just learned to trust mm -hmm. over time and just like, okay, God, I kind of give up. I've, I've tried every, I've done it my way. Now I'm just going to do it your way. Mm -hmm. And then that's when it really happened, right? right? When you, when you surrender to God completely, that's right. when things start to move. So um, anyway, that was kind of what got me through it though. It was just knowing that, mm -hmm. okay, I know God loves me. He sees me. If he's allowing this to happen, mm -hmm. it must be for a reason. Right. Mm -hmm. So. And, and the fascinating thing too, is this long, these long periods, uh, of waiting, it really challenged Bill to ask a lot of deep, Bill and I'd ask a lot of deeper questions just yes. about our culture and our society and why we live the way we do and how God intended us to live in the first place. And just, you know, we had time to ponder these different things. Um, so I'll pause right there. Cause there's, I mean, there's so many directions we could go in and I want to make sure that we're able to. Yes. Well, let's let's move into you really you set up the struggle you set up the ache of both of you living your single years how did you meet mm, this is amazing so um as part of that journey of kind of asking these deeper questions and trying to get closer and closer to kind of my life's work and mission i, I end up getting into consulting providentially through uh a, a business partner and um there's a wonderful conference called the Napa Institute that's out in Napa, California every summer. And I've been the two previous summers, actually it was the summer of 2016. Bill and I were both there at the same time. Um, he'd taken a radical left, cur left turn from Silicon Valley. And was yeah, I was doing some fundraising. Fundraising for, for Dr. Scott Hahn. And his first week on the job, they sent him to the Napa Institute. I was there representing the Augustine Institute. And he actually saw me got off, get off an elevator. I was like, oh, she's kind but of I was like late to the next talk. And I was kind of like, oh, she's really cute. Yeah. And I just, but I had to kind of keep yeah. walking. I was with a group of, of people and donors and, you know, and I, I, and I was like, oh, I'll have to try to find her later yeah. on, but I, I never did. Yeah. So um, anyway, I, so th then it was like um, the next year was it the next year it was the next year or was the year after that? Well, the, the amazing thing is I was, oh man, uh, I think I was dating someone else at the time. I knew it wasn't going to work out. It was, he was a wonderful person. We were having a lot of fun together, but I, I knew it probably wasn't going to last that much longer. So after Napa, I literally hopped on a plane and flew to Europe with one of my best friends. We did our personal divine mercy pilgrimage. So we went to Poland, we went to London. I had a watershed moment. I hadn't been able to cry in like 20 years. Mm -hmm. Finally got to be able to release a lot of this, take it to the Lord, yeah. go to Rome, go through all the divine mercy doors. Like just, to, just to, again, another layer of surrender. Went to Auschwitz. I could give a whole mm -hmm. meditation on all that the Lord was speaking to my heart. I was just feeling abandoned. I was feeling homeless. I was feeling orphaned. And our Lord was just speaking into all these places. And um so that just led this probably a whole year of just dating fast, not even intentionally, but just made some pretty radical choices after that trip. You mean fasting from dating? Fasting from dating, yeah. for me. Yeah, dating fast, <laughs> fasting from dating. Well, that was a date. That's what we call it. Focuses yeah. of dating fast. Um, not yeah, I get, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you're 
I just want to clarify for the audience. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Speed dating. It wasn't speed dating. That was not speed dating. So the following summer, I was invited back to Napa. It didn't work out for me to go, but my business partner was there and met Bill on the very first night. And, Mm -hmm. um, and they end up serendipitously, you know, basically hanging out together the whole week. And she's, you know, kind of my doppelganger, but more direct. So at the end, she's like, Bill, why are you still single? And what's your problem, basically? Yeah. <laughs> and um, that was funny because she was the first night we got there, she was sitting at a table with some other people that I yeah. knew. So I walked up and I was talking to them. Yeah. And then they left and her friends left and we were just sitting there and she had another friend and we just started talking. And um, it just turned out that, you know, almost the whole conference, yep. we were going to like the same talks and we just happened to be sitting next to each other. And then the last night they had the, the this like wine and cigar thing outside. It was really nice. And uh, my friend and I were telling, you know, telling her and a couple of people she was with, well, we'll walk back with you guys to the room. We're walking back. It turns out her room was right next to ours in the hotel. The entire four days, we didn't even know it. No, she literally I mean, had the room right next to hundreds ours. Hundreds and hundreds of rooms. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Meritage Hotel in Napa's got like, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of rooms. Just so happens she was right next to us. Um, and so, yeah, it was really uh, that night she said, you know, what's your deal? Why are you still single? I said, well, you know, I'm Good question. You know, the, I'm trying. I've, I've, I've given up kind of. I, I've met a lot of nice girls, but just wasn't the, haven't found the right one. And she said, well, I've got somebody I, I want you to meet. I really think you guys have hit it off, you know. So I said, OK, great. I'd love to, you know, sure. Why not pass another line out, yeah. you know. And so she said, but I don't want you, I'm going to give you her number, but I don't want you to call her yet. I'm going to grease the skids for you. Like, <laughs> she's, a little, she's a little jaded right now. Yeah, she's a little jaded right now. The whole dating thing, and like, great, so am I. But you know, anyway. So it was probably like two weeks later. Yeah, I, I I've been hiking with friends in the Rockies. I had a I had another totally profound breakthrough experience with the Lord. Literally, mountaintop experience. Came back. Kate calls me. We were meeting up in Kansas City. She's like, I got this guy. And I was like, oh no, I've heard this so many times. Yeah. And, um, but out of reverence for you and the Lord, I will give him one date, but the no texting, no emailing long distance thing. He's welcome to call me, invite me on a date, drive to DC and take me out. I mean, I was like, <laughs> here's my line. One date. And so, She's tough negotiator. Yeah, so he called me and I was like, oh gosh, here we go again. What's your name? How, you know, like, I was just like, so tired. And literally from the first moment of talking to Bill, it was like talking to my long lost best friend. Mm. Two hours, the time just flew by. He's telling yeah. me his stories. And I, I, it's like, we were finishing other sentences Yeah. and he asked me out. We couldn't get together that weekend. So um, following weekend, I think. Following weekend, so yeah. we had one more phone call, same thing. It was like, we'd been living these parallel lives and just, I, I, I just had never felt more at home with someone. This is over the phone. So then he lands yeah. on my front porch <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> takes me out. He made reservations at this really fancy, you know, French restaurant in DC. We didn't even get there because we'd gone to the, this other little pub. Well, because it was such, a reservation. Yeah, yeah. Because it was such a popular restaurant. I couldn't get a reservation yeah. until like eight 30 that night. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, let's just go somewhere first. We'll have a drink. And then yeah. we'll, you know, but then we had such great conversation at this little like Irish pub. The old brogue. Yeah. The old brogue. And, and and we're like, you know what, let's just stay here. Yeah. We're sitting outside, have like the twinkle lights yeah. above us. And Close the place down. So but I, yeah, but I share that we share some of those details because literally it had been, you know, eight weeks before that. And there'd been so many moments where again, our Lord, like had Bill showed up even six months before I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. I was still too attached. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there was like, even that morning of the day that he came for our first date, 
I went for this beautiful, I had this favorite hike along the Potomac there in Northern Virginia, right? Kind of the border of Maryland. And that was kind of my place where I'd go and I just would pray. Um, and I just, I literally went down by the river. Just, I gave this litany of freedom. Like no matter what happened with Bill on that date that night, like I just felt like our Lord had literally brought about a second conversion that I was, again, the ache was going to be, but I'd reconciled with the ache. I wasn't, there was another layer of intimacy and in knowing like even communing with the saints and our blessed mother that he was going to take care of me. And it was not going to be easy, but he was going to take care. He was going to give me, I, I stopped. I was went for, I stopped struggling and fighting against it. Well, and I love that because again, we know that the, we have a father of details right. and he's not a minute too late and he's not a minute too early that like, there is a reason for that moment. It was, and, it was choreographed. Yeah. Everything for you. I mean, again, you can only connect these dots looking backwards, but that's the only way. I mean, everything. Again, if we had 12 hours, we could lay it. I could regale you with story upon story about the layer of detail that things that even the way that Bill proposed to me, he had no clue how it was answers to so many prayers. Are you there? I know uh, they're waiting. They're yeah. they're on the edge of their seats. They okay. want to hear. <laughs> so, like I shared, there were three men that just set the bar for me. Um, that praise God, it didn't work out who were all called to the priesthood. Um, and then the next guy that I, you know, really, really respected, fell in love with, we shared life on mission together, just, you know, awesome guy. Um, I, I basically needed to end the relationship. I had to break with him twice. And after, and we, but because we'd been in a, you know, really sharing life, same community, same community of friends, the break, it was just devastating. It decimated my I, then I started traveling. So I had this experience of home and community and belonging that had been so elusive for me. I'd had it in high school. I had it my first year on staff because I was moving so much. Yeah. And then after that breakup, I started traveling and it was just, and I would still see this person often. So it made home, not home anymore. And mm. with just like this, my social life, my community just got dive bombed. And so it took me a long time to get over that, even though I knew it was right. I broke up with him. And so my parents actually took me to Lords and Fatima with a dear friend and her parents. And I was in Shepherd's Field. We finished the Stations of the Cross. And at the foot of the cross, um, one of my mom's best friends, who's so holy, had been on a trip with this individual. And again, this individual is amazing, um, an incredible person. But she said to my mom, and this is all she said, God saved Angela. And my mom chose to give me those words when I was kneeling at the foot of the cross in Shepherd's Field in Fatima. And I really clung to that. I was actually able to kind of release it after that point. And so when Bill proposed to me, um, I have a deep devotion to St. Gemma Golgani. She's my patron saint. And um, he'd actually had the ring and was going to propose to me this gorgeous mansion in Malibu. But just like, it doesn't quite feel right. And so we were back in Pasadena um, visiting his family. And little side link, I'm to this tiny little, I'm from this tiny little town in East Central Illinois, Muhammad, Illinois, but our marching band was like really good. So my freshman year of high school, I was a little trumpeter and got to march in that Pasadena 
Tournament of Roses parade on New Year's Day, which is in Bill's neighborhood, basically. So there's a chance he was probably there. So Pasadena in California, I can tell more, has always had a very special part of my heart. I got my ears pierced there for the first time. And it was just, (laughs) it was awesome. Being a Midwest girl, being in Southern California for New Year's was like amazing. So (laughs) fast forward, Bill, um, uh, there's a beautiful Passionist Monastery right by, uh, probably within 10 minutes of Bill's childhood home. So he decides he's going to propose to me there. Again, I don't know any of this. And we happen, uh, we pull up, they should have been locked. It was open. So Bill, we, we pray the rosary. Um, they happen to have a beautiful, just mural of St. Gemma and this other really incredible saint, St. Gabriel of the Sorrowful Mother in the back. They were actually spiritual best friends. I'm like, oh, that's St. Gemma. That's so cool. So then he walks me outdoors where they have this gorgeous outdoor stations of the cross overlooking like the whole all of LA. All of LA yeah, at it's, sunset. It's, it's absolutely it's the front of the San Gabriel Mountains. So you can, so again, on a clear day, you can yeah. see all the way to Catalina Island out so there. So I think Bill knew my Fatima story. So he chooses I didn't know you had a yeah. devotion to St. Gemma. And too, even which, just St. Gemma, I'm literally holding their relics right now. I have St. Gemma and St. Gabriel right here. Um, so Gemma was my just my best friend. And I had a relic from her from one of my students a first class relic because I could relate to her so much in Catherine of Siena because they were neither religious nor married. You know, she was too ill to actually join a religious community. Mm-hmm. And she um is a passionist. She had a, you know, that literally the stigmata. She was a, a victim soul, a suffering soul. And so I would literally everywhere I go, I'd have my relic of Saint Gemma and I bought a reliquary in Fatima, a pure you know, Portuguese gold that she went with me. If I say she's with me to keep me from being lonely. And then I find out later, she's actually the patron of the lonely. Um, and so when I'm traveling, so literally Bill chooses to propose to me again, he doesn't know any of this at the foot of the cross. This it's just a slightly smaller version of a cross that's in Fatima at the foot of the cross where I was in the exact same position where I was kneeling down when my mom gave me that word, essentially God is saving you from something and for someone. Of course, I had no idea of any of this, you know. He had no clue. And then come to find out it was the feast day of St. Gabriel of the Sorrowful Mother, who again was St. Gemma's spiritual best friend, who's also the patron of the NRA, so he's kind of a badass. And so, you know. That's that's a funny story. He's the patron saint of the NRA because he stopped a crime from happening with Mm -hmm. a gun. He was really proficient with a pistol. He was kind of a marksman. And there was a story where these marauders came in and just raping and pillaging the whole yeah. town, stealing. Mm-hmm. And he comes down to the monastery and he puts a gun at their face and yep. says, put it all back. Like, yep. basically, and they're like, who are you, priest? And yep. I guess there was some kind of critter. I don't know if it was a rat or a mouse. That was This is a true story. Priest told me this. Um, he uh, Like, running away. Mm-hmm. And he shoots the thing with his gun. Yep. And the thing just, like, pfft, dead. Yep. And then they realize, oh, my gosh, this guy's actually kind of a... He's kind of a bad dude. He's he's got a good shot. We better put everything back. Right. Okay, put it. And so because of that, because he stopped a crime with a weapon, somehow he became patron saint mm-hmm. of the NRA. Right. So I just thought that was funny. We also is. apparently he, he had a he was he was a passionist, right? He was a passionist, and he had a mystical well. experience. Or Gemma had a mystical mm-hmm. experience where he appeared to her um, in you know private revelation. When she was one of the times she was yeah, sick she and she just, got better. She was dying, prayed a novena to him. She lived and got to live a few more years. And so she kept a picture of him under her pillow and kissed it every night. And so I had no idea of any of this no, when of I course, took her right. to the Pastors Monastery. And so then one of my dearest friends, about a week later, I get this package and it's from my friend. And she's, it was a first class relic of St. Gabriel. And she had been over 
in Rome, same with passionists, they'd said, oh, pick a relic, any relic. She picks Gabriel thinking, this isn't for me, this is for someone else. And then she found out that when we were engaged on his feast day, um, she said, Ange, this is for you and Bill. So that way you can have Gemma. And if you guys are ever apart, he can have, you know, Gabriel and you guys can be together. My um, gosh. So again, like literally, and even we just, we know that, um, and we ended up, the Marian Shrine Bill speaking of often too is, is Medjugorje. We really have a devotion to Our Lady of Medjugorje. We got to go there on our honeymoon. And that's even providential because I, I'd been invited to go twice before. I'd been in many other Marian Shrines in Rome and all over Poland and Europe. And, but Our Lady in Medjugorje says that I have come to fulfill what I began in Fatima. And so for me, that promise that was given in Fatima was then fulfilled being with Bill and Medjugorje on our honeymoon. And, and again, it gets even better because again, as that little freshman in high school, 15 year old walking down Colorado Boulevard, I bought my wedding dress on Colorado Boulevard, you know, all it's just this, all the, you know, and even in, in Hebrew, the word Shalom means peace, but it's not just peace be with you. It's may all the pieces of your life fit together. Mm. Because I had had all these one-off experiences seemingly in my life, like, Lord, you've literally taken me around the globe and all like all these people. And so much of that part of my, my courtship with Bill and our engagement in these past five years, God has connected every single dot, Mm. nothing in Bill's life experiences and all the people that he met and the mentoring he got to experience, nothing was wasted and nothing was by accident. All these little coincidences come yeah. back later and you go, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I never, I mean, so many of the things that we're telling you, we, when they were happening, we had no idea. Yeah. It was only after the fact, mm-hmm. we're like, wait a minute, how could mm-hmm. all these things possibly line up? So yeah, it was pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Bill, what were some of the, like the qualities that you prayed for in your future wife that you see in Angela? You're like, this, this, was my, this is my answer prayer. She's <laughs> sitting right next to me. Tell, tell them what your sister said. Which one? Like about. Bill, you can't have a nun and a. Oh yeah, yeah, like uh, a supermodel, but who's like got the who's like Mother Teresa, you know? It's like those two don't usually go together, you know. We grew up in Hollywood, it's not or near Hollywood, Pasadena is like twenty. We grew up not too far from the entertainment industry. Those two usually don't mesh together, you know. Uh There's some Jim Caviezel's out there. There's some exceptions, but uh, anyway. But now I say, yeah, look, I got it. I did. It, It worked for me. (laughs) <laughs> well, even, even Bill, like he just, you know, he's a, he was a quarterback back in the day and like, he just loves to like throw the football and, and like, I was a little tomboy growing up, you know, so I can throw a football. So like we, on our honeymoon, a friend gave us a, you know, gave us a football so we could even just play catch together, you know, and yeah. I love it. <laughs> well, and even that was another thing when we, um, when we first met, I guess it was about a month later yeah. when we had, a, we had, we, I think we had work in this area or something. I said, why don't you come to Montana? Yeah. Our friends of Sophia's were with us. There was a, a group of us here. And I said, let's just go hang out for a little bit. And, you know, because Angela said, I said, what was the one of, in our courtship? I said, what would be the ideal place for you to live? Like if you could pick anywhere, she said, probably, you know, I love the oceans. I love the mountains. I love lakes and rivers. I love, you know, I said, she said, probably, you know, a place that had mountains, like I had in Colorado, but also like water, like a big lake, <laughs> you know, and that like exactly describes where we live right now, Flathead <laughs> Lake in Montana. So we, <laughs> I want to show her this place. And then, um, so one day we had a football, we yeah. started, I think we were walking, I started throwing, and at first I'm kind of doing this, like, okay, I'm playing catch with a girl. I'm just going to throw these little soft passes. And then she'd catch it, like zing it back to me. And I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> 
I love it. Now I'm dating Brett Favre. Have a strained wrist uh, now. <laughs> so you know, we're doing, we're on a like 40 yard, you know, post corner routes and I'm like singing it. She's like catching it, talking. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this woman is like got some athleticism here. So anyway, it was kind of funny, but um, yeah, I mean, really the, the, I, I think looking at my mom or somebody like that, who had such a, um, so much patience, so much love, you know, she was, had such a depth. She was so, had a real sense of humor, um, a certain inner toughness, you know, a lot of those. And of course that, you know, her faith was the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And so Angela just checked all those boxes and many more I hadn't even thought of. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was, that was pretty much the. And how about you? What were some of the things that you. Well, I think. So, so many guys that dated me either said like, because again, I, you know, I, I had, I just had this battle with the Lord because I was trying to just keep saying yes and give him, you know, give him my singleness, give him my gifts. You know, I didn't go into the business and, you know, I didn't go into business. I was, you know, working for the Lord in the church. And so I'd be given more responsibility and put in positions of leadership. And so guys were like, you're so intimidating. And, um, it's like, Lord, I'm just trying to serve you. And so then by saying, giving a fiat to you, more men are telling me I'm intimidating or they're going off to the seminary. And um, so same thing. I just, I wanted a man who had the passion for the Lord and the formation to want to be a priest, but was called to marry me. So beautiful. (laughs) And and also, again, I did need, you know, because I had an athletic background you know, that could be intimidating to people. And I was like, Lord, just someone who doesn't care about that. And someone who can love me when I'm, you know, you know, kind of my professional mode. And, but really what I really wanted, just who can just love little Angie and, and just restore my childlike, just give me that freedom to be childlike again. Cause I'd almost got, I got hard and my heart had got hardened. I had had, I put on this, like, there was like the scary Angela M. Teltorce that would come out. Cause I worked with a lot of men. I jokingly called him that. I said, like, you have two sides. There's, I call her corporate woman, Angela M. Teltorce. Who's like, but <laughs> you know, get out of her way. And then there's little Angie. He's like a fluffy little I mean, bunny, actually, you know, that's just, actually and that's actually you. who she is. But I think she got in her roles of responsibility. You probably yes. got a little burdened there yeah. at times, you know. Yeah, and and with and again, our Lord was working through all of that because that's that's me, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's truly me. And and our Lord had done; He'd given me heart surgery again that kind of summer 2016 before I met Bill. I, I literally had three days. I felt like Catherine of Siena, where He took out my heart of stone and He gave me back my heart of flesh. Um, but Bill, you know, literally from, from the and, and so many guys were like, "Oh, you're so elusive. You're so hard to get to know." I think just because it wasn't the right person, and I'm you know, I could sense that. And I would just keep my guard up because I also have been hurt so many times and been, been disappointed so many times, but I just, I just honor bill. Cause little of my first phone call, like I felt like I'd known him for a million years and I, I felt yeah. more myself than I literally ever had in my, in my entire life. And that continues every passing day. I am more and more myself. And, you know, even just these recent weeks, I've had some not so good, good versions of myself, just from fatigue. And, you know, our, our precious girls were sick for a little bit. I got sleep deprived and, um, you know, a little more emotional, angry, frustrated, irritated. And yet Bill loves me so unconditionally. And I'm also like, thank God, because I have a heart. I feel now, you know, I can feel this full scope of emotions. And I think that's, what's amazing about Bill. And like, God, you know, he knew I wasn't not the easiest you know, uh, women are a mystery even to themselves. And I'm blessed to have, you know, my mother-in-law is one of my absolute heroes. She is 
a lioness, mother of eight, you know, matriarch of our family. Billy has the most remarkable sisters, four incredible sisters. And so, you know, not only even as both getting married later, it was such an easy transition. You know, people say, oh, first year of marriage is so hard. And especially if you're older, it's even harder. But like, could not have gone easier. The toilet seat has never been up once in our house, you know, like um, it it just because he's so used to being with strong women that prepared. Yeah, or sisters, you know, know, that that did help a lot for because you just understand the nuances of women, you know, men and women were similar, but different. And, um, and probably the same for a woman that had brothers, you know, um, and not that you can't have a beautiful relationship if you didn't have, you know, um, siblings of the opposite sex, but it it definitely does help. I think you're prepared for a few more things. Yeah. Yeah. And then what I will say too, is one of my deepest, I remember just weeping over this, uh, probably again, there's a lot of weeping Mm -hmm. here summer of 16. Cause I had to like, I had to finally give voice to the ache. Right. And it was okay. All the men, I want to marry my best friend. And all the people that I've grown up with or had, you know, shared life experience with or been on team with, they're all married or in the seminary or not available. And so even if I do get to get married later, like it's going to be close to 40 years of my life that I, that we wouldn't have been able to share experiences together. And that's again, what God can do. He literally, even in our courtship, we were either with my family or Bill's family or with families to come to find out we'd basically been living these parallel lives. And so Bill has been able to meet almost every person who's been of significance to me. I've been able to meet, I literally got to live with his parents, you know, with Bill, separate bedrooms, you know, for like six weeks during our courtship and engagement, you know, like God expanded and contracted time at the same time, you know. The other thing too is when we finally, when we were married, um, Ange still had like a storage unit in St. Louis and we were out there visiting and, and. I don't know, you're paying like 300 bucks a month for it. And I said, why don't I just go, you know, take, because I think we had a moving truck anyway, because we were going across country, a lot of the stuff that I had in Ohio and she had in Virginia. So I'm like, why don't I just stop by and I'll pick up, I'll Mm -hmm. throw. And when we got back to Montana, our place here, I'm unloading these boxes and I'm looking at all her, there was a lot of books. She had so many books. So I did invest in books. And I did too. I invested in books. I I literally have stacks of books. Boxes Boxes and boxes. And I'd be looking through her books. I'm like, she's bought, she's read the exact same books I have. Well, you know, theological books, religious, spiritual, real um, estate, personal development books, books on investing, yeah. real estate, yeah. the stock market, organic farming, mm-hmm. you know, permaculture, like uh, unbelievable stuff yeah. that I thought were these like things that I was studying on my own. And these like, I was, my eyes were being opened to a lot of different possibilities mm-hmm. and things. And I realized mm-hmm. it's studying the same stuff mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. kind of the same stuff, alternative methods of healing. And I mean, just a lot of fascinating subjects that she was really an expert on too. I thought, okay, this is going to go pretty well. we got a lot of, you know, complimentary, um, you know, interest here. So, Mm -hmm. but, and and we share that because again, I have so many dear friends right now who are in their late forties and are still single, you know, the most remarkable women. And so, you know, she did, she did an amazing story. Um, and so I think the key here too, is we're not entitled to a spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really hard to say. And I don't know why Bill and I got to find each other, mm-hmm. except for the Lord knew that I, you know, I could have easily, you know, I don't, Bill was, had greater strength than I did. You know, he had to wait another 12 years. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if I could have waited another 12 years. I could have lost my faith. I could have fallen yeah. into grave moral sin. Um, our Lord knew at the precisely the right moment for my sanctification and for his greatest glory um, and for his plan of salvation that 
we were going to help each other become saints, you know? And so for those women that are, you know, maybe getting to those, you know, later years, again, I can't promise you a spouse. I can't promise you Bill and I's story, but what I can promise you is God's story for you is just as extraordinary. Yeah. It's just as miraculous because we are living in, in unprecedented times right now. And it's like Truly. the scripture says, you yeah. know, trust in the Lord and rely not on your own understanding. Yeah. And I, I think it's in Proverbs. I forget the exact mm-hmm. verse, but it says that God is speaking, saying, mm-hmm. those who hope in me will never be disappointed. Right. In the end, there might be some disappointments along the way. Right. So I think that's important to keep in mind because God does answer prayers and he does. And sometimes he likes the dramatic last second Hail Mary pass in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. with one second left on the clock. He does so many things in my life that I have like been this massive answer to prayer that happened over a long period of time. It happens like at the very last right. moment, every once in a while, he'll throw me a bluebird in the first quarter, you know, mm-hmm. but usually it's like this last second uh, that happened. He seems to like the dramatic. And yeah. so, and maybe that's just to test our faith, you know? Um, um, but I think you really have to, when you commit your life to God, just know that he's got a great plan for you and mm-hmm. it may not unveil itself in the exact timing or way that you intended but it will, it will end well for you, right? Yeah. There's always happy endings with God. So, yeah. And I know there's so many places we could touch upon here. So I'm going to pause so you guys could kind of pull more out. It's so beautiful. The, the question that is on my mind right now that I think a lot of women are probably thinking is for the woman who's listening to this, who feels like she needs to settle because of her age, what would you say to her? Don't, no, don't, don't, so. don't, don't, please. I beg you call me, call me because don't settle. I beg you not. Yeah. I beg you not because the, as, as brutal as the ache of loneliness is being married to the wrong person, it's even worse, literally unspeakable. And friends, I know, I know people in that situation, unspeakable agony. And if you believe in marriage, that it's for life, and um, if there's not abuse or, you know, all those things that would warrant, of course, it not being a, a valid marriage, um, there's, there, I don't, I don't know that there's any agony greater. So the key is, and, and Bill and I had this conversation for a long time last night. Um, again, what we're longing for is companionship. Okay. We all need, we want a companion on the journey, mm-hmm. right? That's the deepest longing of our hearts. And, um, you know, and, and we all, we all, no matter what your love languages are, we do need an element of physical affection, you know, babies without, who don't get touched and hugged and kissed die die in the hospital. Yeah. Right. So for, my single friends that are out there. And I think Bill can, you know, Bill did a brilliant job of, and I want to honor my husband of just, you know, God really preserved his purity, but he did a great job of, of, you know, he had an amazing gym and spa that he belonged to so he could work out. And really he was in, you know, you know, he's always been in unbelievable shape. That's why he looks 10 years younger than he is. Um, so I have a three-year-old. So he had three-year-old ten old. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah, you're, he's, he has sacrificed so much for us. And we're, we don't sleep as um, much as we used to, but uh, yeah, it's hard to get the gym. For but that's temporary. Say, that's yes, for, that's temporary. for time. Season. Exactly. So, um, you know, where he could go work out for a couple hours and have a massage, you know, good, healthy touch, sauna, steam, jacuzzi, you know, you know, eating well, you know, connecting with family 
And so we have to acknowledge that we all need good touch. We all need connection. We all need to be known. We all need Mm -hmm. home. We need a place just to be able to rest and be seen and be vulnerable. And so my encouragement to you ladies is, and again, you know, Bill can never does, you know, quench the deepest longing is of my heart for perfect love in the same way that I can't give him perfect love because only the Lord can give us that. Yes. But, mm. you know, and especially in this broken world right now where there are statistically fewer virtuous, holy, free men than there are women. I think that's been proven. I had a dateable guy chart in college. Um, it's, you know, But that being said, I think the key is acknowledging what are those deep needs and desires that we have. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I really learned in my mid thirties that I'd always had incredible, unbelievable roommates, but it was just too painful. I'd had my own, I'd had my own condo. And then to go to like moving in a revolving house where people were getting married or moving out or transitioning, I felt like home wasn't home. Mm. And, um, you know, in a temptation as, you know, you want to date, I just need hugs. I just need, you know, you just need, especially because I was living away from my family for a time, you know, that can be challenging. So I think we really need to address what are those deeper issues that need for connection, that need for home, mm-hmm. that need for good, healthy, physical touch that's appropriate, um, you know, and really meeting those needs so that we're free to make the right choices and we're not being driven by those desires. And we're not putting ourselves in a position where we are um, seeking to numb or seeking unhealthy outlets um, or grasping to meet those desires that are good and holy, but there are other ways to um, to do that without being in a relationship or settling for the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And I think I just want to call this because we've had some of these real conversations and ladies, if you're listening to this, we, you know, some of you, we've had that honest conversation of sexual purity can be so challenging at any stage, you know, and I love what you guys talked about that healthy touch is so important. And you made sure to prioritize that, you know, of recognizing, okay, you know, hugs, have community, um, you know, get a massage, like doing those tactile things because we are made to be touched, to be loved, to be known, right? And, and at the heart of it, like our sexual desire is meant to propel us towards intimacy ultimately with God, right? And a really beautiful, healthy intimacy of where we are at each stage, at each point, right? Like what that looks like. And, and so I love that you, you know, touched on that because I think sometimes before being married, women can feel like, oh my gosh, I have all this desire and I just have to repress it. But that's not what the Lord's asking us to do. And so what would you say were a couple of the ways that you were able to, you know, obviously that practically, right. There's getting intentional physical touch and appropriate physical affection, like hugs, like, you know, they probably had massages with your girlfriends, um, you know, and, and, and recognizing, okay, this is, this is a desire that is from God and it is a good desire, but what are some other tactics? Cause we know that this is a struggle, that this can be such a challenge. Um, it's such a struggle. Yeah. And I, you know, and talk, you know, I know from my own, per- my own personal experience and then just talking with numerous friends that I would honestly say, you know, purity was harder in my thirties than my twenties or my teens, you know, and if that's biological clock, I don't, I don't have the science to back that up, but you know, that was my lived experience. And so just first off, you know, being, I think 
moving our bodies is so key. So mm-hmm. starting you know, that intimacy with the Lord has to be just such a priority every single day. And for our women here who are Catholic Christians, you know, Holy Mass and Eucharistic adoration are essential. You know, the Holy Rosary, literally our lady holds us, takes us by the hand. You know, she's the guardian of our purity. So on a spiritual level, arming up, armoring up, mm-hmm. you know, doing that deliverance prayer and invoking the Holy Spirit. Um, I think just physical movements, right? Either whatever that looks like for you, not every woman, you know, no one needs to be an athlete to move their body every day. I am such, you know, from being, you know, I did triathlons and marathons as as a single person and all of that. I walk now. I'm a walker and a hiker. Walking is so powerful. So she walks fast though and far. Yeah. (laughs) But I learned to walk. I was like, wait up, babe. (laughs) Like, gets her 10,000 steps in every day. Look at the fit after dinner. Honey, I got like 934 more steps. Let me just go. We're walking for the next couple hours. Exactly. I'll watch the kids. You got to sprint the driveway. That's right. That's right. But I sincerely had to learn to walk slow, you know, just to enjoy and keep in touch, you know, and so being in nature, mm-hmm. uh, moving our bodies every day is so key. And then, um, you know, ladies, we know that right now, sadly, pornography is affecting women. We're not quite at the same level as men, but that, mm-hmm. that number in percentage is increasing by the day. Yeah. And so, you know, I, and I, I also speak to my brothers out there you know, just that encouragement. We have to be anyone who says to me, what I watch doesn't affect me. It's not mm-hmm. true. We know it. The science backs it up. Everything, our, our body keeps score. Everything that we see, that we hear, that we expose ourselves to impacts us, impacts our thoughts and our mind. And so even more so the level of vigilance that we need with what we're reading, with what we're watching, with our circumstances, that situational awareness, if it's later at night, you know, um, what are you watching? What are you reading? Um, uh, are, you know, can we, can we make a commitment? And this is something I'm still not good at, but keeping technology out of our bedroom. Um, and, um, if, if necessary, you know, there's so many wonderful, uh, resources now to block certain things from our devices, buy them, get them, do it you know, keep your home safe because the evil one does not want us living holy purity. And, um, and again, so many of the reasons why I think people are struggling more is because it's encouraged by our culture and glorified by our culture. We have a culture that's oversexed and is glorifying impurity Mm -hmm. and there's just access to even just shows that, you know, seem are seemingly benign, are creating such a false view of our sexuality and are overexposing us. Mm -hmm. And so we just have to be such stewards of our minds and our imagination. Um, And, and so, you know, that prevention and not, not exposing ourselves to those things is one of the greatest ways. And then really having a great team of friends, I think who can really, how are you guys doing? You know, gosh, I'm really feeling lonely today. And I think this is another thing too, ladies, you know, I really encourage you no matter if you get, married tomorrow or 10 years from now or never is learn to understand, you know, the gift of our, um, of our cycle mm-hmm. and really understand your, your body, because there are certain times of the month that are going to be more challenging than others. Yeah. And so having an awareness that, gosh, this could be a more challenging week for me. How, how am I going to make some different choices to make sure that I've got, I'm not being led into temptation. Um, and, and things of that nature. So let me know if there's anything more you want me to expound upon, but I think 
I think really, um, you know, our Lord is, is promised to give us all that we need. And we have to understand too, that in that deep, that ache and that desire, oftentimes the fall into impurity is from a place of despair or a lack of hope. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you know, even this background we have back here is, is so beautiful. You know, that's why being in nature, you know, technology free, being on that quest for beauty, that's what actually help us, helps us to integrate the ache and not numb it or suppress it or give into it. We're either, you know, from a theology of the body perspective, you either numbing and suppressing or indulging. And that's not what we're called to. We're called yeah. to, you know, pain demands to be felt, you know, our Lord, he chose to stay on the cross for three hours and endure his passion. He did not cut that time short. He, he, you know, every last breath until it was finished. Mm -hmm. And so if we can learn, and that's part of our sanctification to move through it. And that same thing will hold true. If you're a religious sister, or if you're a biological mother, there's going to be times of profound ache and suffering. And again, we can choose to either scorn it or numb it or give into it, or we can choose to unite it with the Lord and work through it. I think one thing you said too, um, just being really active, really just yes. from a purely practical standpoint. Yeah. Like when I was, I lived in Redondo beach, California mm -hmm. for like a decade and that was, and it was difficult because it was like the decade of my thirties pretty right. much. And, but at the same time, um, you know, I was always doing like fun stuff, like, right. you know, going to the gym, friends there being active. Sometimes then I'm just exhausted and that may be a mm -hmm. good thing. But, um, you know, weekends I go scuba diving on my scuba license. I go spear fishing underwater. So I think these crazy adventures like lined up mm -hmm. in advance. Yeah. We're going to go to Catalina this weekend. We're going to spear some fish. Then we're going to yeah. cook them on the beach. And like, you know, so there's always like these cool, you know, we're going to go Laker game this weekend. There's mm -hmm. always planning fun stuff. And then I found this place that was a spa called Burke Williams. And it was like, I think it was like a hundred bucks a month. And you got unlimited use of the sauna steam jacuzzi. And it wasn't just any sauna steam jacuzzi. I mean, you got like the white robe, like the yeah. water lemons in it, you know, the quiet room. They had a quiet what? room. Where you could just lay down and go to sleep. I mean, this place was magical. Mm -hmm. And at times when you feel a little sad or stressed or depressed, you just go detox, just relax mm -hmm. in there. And, and little things like that, having fun stuff to look forward to. Because um, I was still in the city. I had to live in the city at that time. Um, I wasn't in open spaces we have now, but I, I really, um, you know, and then going deep into my faith, I found some other spiritual things that were going on. They used to have this like Eucharistic adoration night, but then they'd always have like a band, they have good food and it's just things like that, that kind of really help you get through some of those difficult times. Mm -hmm. um, I think we have time for one last question. Yes. What would you both say to the woman who's just struggling right now so hard to hold on to hope and it kind of reminds me of uh, in Pride and Prejudice Jane Austen so eloquently writes like Elizabeth Bennett's best friend Charlotte she says uh, you know I'm 27 years old I have no money and no prospects I'm already a burden to my parents and I'm frightened what would you say to the woman who says I don't know how to hope that's so nice I'm so glad that that happened for you Bill and Ange but I I I don't know how to help. Exactly. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've uh, an idea what I want to say, yeah. but you go ahead. And I watched the long version of Pride and Prejudice, gosh, at least two dozen, three dozen, four dozen times on and on. And, you know, Charlotte settled, you know, yeah. she had a comfortable home, but she was very unhappy. And my, my encouragement for you, because I, man, I, uh, I was in that place. Mm -hmm. I was in that place. Mm -hmm. 
is and I was too. Yeah, and you were too. I was too. Yeah. yeah. Um I say radical faith and trust in God. You know, this is like maybe getting this is where the the the, the religious faith becomes practical in a certain way for mm-hmm. situations like that. No less an authority than Christ himself has promised multiple times in mm-hmm. scripture to answer our prayers. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Mm-hmm. If two of you join your voices on earth to pray for anything, whatever, he doesn't even put limits on it. Mm-hmm. It'll be granted by your father in heaven. Or in John, where he says, anything you ask in my name will be done. Mm-hmm. Or in Mark, where he says, I give you my word. If you're ready to believe that you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer, it'll be done for you. But I think people, it may not be done by tomorrow morning. You know, it might take like a little longer. So I think like the things that I was praying for, they took much longer, like Angela, finding hands than I ever expected. But then when the answer came, it was far beyond what my wildest dreams used to be. Mm-hmm. So I would just say the longer God's making you wait, the, the greater the compensation will be. Mm-hmm. But don't lose hope. Keep praying. You know, Our Lady, when she St. Dominic, she gave those 15 promises. Mm-hmm. Promise number 11 is you shall obtain all you ask of me through the recitation of the rosary. So whenever you meet with like a temporary setback like that, it's really an invitation to greater greater effort and greater faith. And sooner or later, you know, God will never let you down. He may make you wait longer than you wanted to, but he'll never let you down in the end. So it's just like radical faith. And that faith is the assurance of what we hope for. It will always happen mm-hmm. or it'll be something so spectacular, you know, that it, it God's got a great plan. For, God's got a great life for you, you know, a great plan for all of us. But, um, you know, one of my favorite uh, uh, speaker Steve Harvey is a funny comedian and and uh, I think he hosts the Family Feud show still. But but he's a man that went through. He was homeless for three years, went through some rough stuff, and he just said, "The minute you ask God, you pray, God delivers up that package and He sends it to you. But you don't know when it's going to arrive, and you know it's going to arrive when you're ready for it. You have to. The more you radically um, you know convert your will to His, the, the faster it'll arrive. And but and he says he doesn't deliver to. I don't know how it's going to happen Boulevard. He delivers the faith street and he kind of makes this joking comedian thing out of it. But I would just say radical trust in God, go deeper into prayer, um, hope against hope um, and, and, and stand on those scripture promises. Mm-hmm. That's Holy spirit inspired inerrant word of God, Holy spirit that says, and it's no less an authority than Christ himself that says anything you ask me in my name, I will do. So I think um, the only prerequisite to that is you have to seek first the kingdom of God, Right. And it has to be something that doesn't violate the laws of God or the rights of your fellow man. Mm-hmm. But as long as it's that, oh, hi, sweetie. Oh, well, three old, just hopped in. Yeah. Um, photo bombness. Anyway, that, that would be my suggestion to them. Yeah. And the other piece I would add to that, too, is, um, you know, Megan, we've had extensive conversations about this, is when I was at that point uh, several times, I, I had to turn back home. I literally, I quit my job. I moved back home. And I needed to go back to home. And I get, I know for the women speaking out there for not, not everyone home is home. And I know that. And I know that. And for me, the call wasn't to live at home for a long time. I think I was there three months. And then I found another family that I could live with. And so I just started, I I need, I need, I need, I need to be with family or a family. And I started just piecing back. What are these pieces I need to, you know, because so much of that ache, when you feel like I just can't do anymore, it's, it's, there's so much focus on ourself. I got selfish and I'm not saying you're selfish ladies that I'm talking to you right now, but it's when I, I got so focused on what I didn't have that it consumed me and it can almost become marriage and family. And that can almost become an idol. Okay. And I'm not saying that ladies it's, it's, it's literally having 
to, and this is, this is part of the crucifixion. I'm not saying this is easy and it was crucifixion for me, but when I started to turn back home and just like, Lord, okay, what else am I idolizing? What else am I clinging to? That's not you. Cause he was, mm-hmm. cause again, our Lord, what does he want? He wants us to be one with him. He wants to be our everything. He wants us to quench his thirst. And so what I understood was Jesus is longing for my love. He doesn't want me just to love him for the gifts he's going to give me. And I had a lot of idols. Mm. And and I I thought, but Lord, I've been your missionary and I've done this and I've done that. And mm -mm, no, he wanted my heart. And so we started here. Yeah. And then I was able to work layer by layer and work backwards. So I'm not sure if that helps, Megan. This is not yeah. an easy. Oh, absolutely. No, he wanted to evangelize all those different parts of your heart. He wanted yes. to evangelize them. He wanted a metanoia. Exactly. Like we could, we could literally sit here for hours yeah. and we have so much yeah. beautiful yeah. wisdom and there's just, there's so much richness. There's so much, you guys. Thank <laughs> you so much. Hi, sweet Catherine. Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. I wish for those of you guys who are listening in, they have their sweet little... Firstborn, three year old. Yep, and she's beautiful and such a treasure. And um, but guys, we're just so thankful. Thank you for being on here, for giving of your time and your wisdom, and your experience, and your suffering. You know, and sharing this because we know that there's someone out there who heard this, and this has renewed their sense of hope. You know, and, and that's your vulnerability you- and your honesty, like those are those are like precious, precious, precious gifts that you just gave each and every one of the women. And we're so grateful for both of you. Thank you for your yes. Thank you for your fiat. Thank you for the ways that you both show up. Thank you for the ways that you pour out. I wish I had you ladies when I was single would have made it a whole different experience. I, yeah, me I, too. I mean, you know, <laughs> even though I guess it's geared toward more toward yeah. women than men yeah. still it's the the principles are the same, you yeah. know, in most cases. So and ladies, thank you guys. I can just leave you with this one last thing. You know, I, I thought, you know, I lived in so many of the major, major big cities and all over. And, you know, I was like, Lord, there can't be any more guys out there, you know? And, and then, you know, God had been saving bill this whole time. And, and so I just want to give you that hope ladies. Again, God has not promised you a husband. He's not promised you biological children but he has, he has, he has promised you miracles mm-hmm. and Bill is my miracle, you know, and, and a bill is yeah, also, you know, proof that, you know, there are the most extraordinary men out there that have an incredible story that have been, you know, preparing themselves as well. And, um, it's just a matter of God's providence and his timing for, uh, for his greater glory and for our greatest good. Thanks. So. Well, You're both amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank, thank you for the gift of being here. And then, ladies, we will see you next time on Thriving in the Space Between. But freedom waits for 